Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. In the spirit of Halloween, having just survived uh, what could rightfully be called a terrifying time on multiple levels, uh, we have decided to do one more episode. By decided, I obviously mean that we just didn't get to it before October 31st. Yeah, and it was on the docket, and, you know, we respect the docket. Uh, here at Ridiculous History, we have nothing if not respect for the docket, um, a.k.a. the research docket uh, provided to us by the lovely and talented Gabe Lussier. That's true. Yeah. So thank you for this one, Gabe. Uh, we liked it so much. We've al- already built uh, a fictional kind of vaporwave band uh, a- around this that we're calling Stove Goblin. I feel like at this point we've talked off air more about this. <laughs> episode then we might talk about it in the episode so here's the deal everybody's listened to the Greenbrier ghost uh remembers our exploration of the one time in u.s legal history where the testimony of a ghost led to a guilty verdict uh and what's extraordinary about that is that supernatural things often get kind of dismissed by government authorities and That should be the case, because otherwise you end up with things like the Inquisition and witch trials. Uh, But it's not always the case, uh, because in 1930s, in Spain, true story, multiple government agencies were summoned to figure out what was going on with a supposed, well, a goblin, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you always hear government officials talk about the spirit of the law, uh, but this is a different kind of spirit entirely. This is, uh, let's call it the spirit of the, the stovepipe, the spirit of the, uh, what do you, what do you, would you say, Ben? The spirit of the hearth, the hearth, the hearth. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Spirit of the stove. I like for the alliteration. Also, I don't know. Spirit of the stove. eye. 
Yeah, love it, well, love it. Well, it doesn't matter. We're we're working live here, as as you will say, uh, from time to time, Ben. But you're right. This uh, story of spiritual shenanigans begins in September of 1934 in a city in Spain called, and I've been waiting a long time to be able to say this properly, Zaragoza. <laughs> right, with the Castilian Spanish that's spelled with two Zs. I, I, that's right, and I only know this because there was a, a episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm in the most recent season uh, that revolves around a restaurant, uh, a Spanish restaurant called Zaragoza, and they say it in the episode probably like 50 times, mm-hmm. and they also uh, say lo ciento a lot, which I believe mm. means excuse me. Or, uh, excuse, I'm sorry. It's like, forgive me. Forgive me, exactly. I'm so and, sorry. And, and then at some point, the slight spoiler for an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, Larry and his uh, crew get punched in the face or they like something happens where they end up like uh, all having this kind of lisp. So everyone thinks they're making fun of them because they have this lisp because of an injury they all uh, incurred. And... It, it it leads to shenanigans, as you could imagine. But this story mm. begins in September of 1934 in the second home of a family um, in Zaragoza called the Palazón family. And I'm going to do the the sound for the Z sound as well. Uh, not making fun. It's just, I think it is the way, like Ibiza. That's how you say it. Or España. Um, but they lived in an apartment building that is uh, in an area uh, that was at the time known as Gascon Gator Street. And um, that was when this family first started to hear some very unusual and bone-chilling sounds that seemed to emanate from the walls in their kitchen, uh, specifically from the stove and the chimney attached to the stove. Yeah, our first encounter with this mysterious voice comes from the family maid, Pascuala Alcacer, who was the first to really connect with this goblin. She reached for the stove, and then she heard a voice say, you're hurting me. So she switched off the lights and ran out of the room, as you do. And when she did, the voice shouted, light, I can't see. And she said later, you know, the voice had a pleasant tone, but it had kind of this manic, unnerving energy. Uh, these, these folks weren't crazy superstitious or anything. They were well aware that the chimney connected to a lot of other units in the apartment building before it made its smoky way to the roof. So they thought, okay, well, somebody in the building is doing something screwy, but, uh, Also, this really scared the maid. Pasquala heard the voice calling her by name and then laughing. So it's like, Pasquala! (laughs) Oh my gosh, that freaked me out for sure. Um, but they, you know, they were able to kind of explain it away. Although you're right, Ben, Pasquala was totally freaked out. And so she went and woke up, uh, her, her boss, the mistress of the house to explain to her what happened. And then over the course of the next few days, this voice would occasionally appear sometimes very early in the morning, as early as 5 AM calling out to the maid in particular, that freaked me out too. And and sometimes it it would you know it was all kind of kitchen centric. So if there were others uh, hanging out in the kitchen, they would sometimes be the uh, the butt of this particular uh, voices jokes as well. So let's describe the voice. The voice seemed to be male, 
And the first thing the Palathon family does is ask their neighbors for help. They say, hey, come here. Do you hear this? Are we yeah. in our made crazy? Let's get a second opinion. Uh, well, first of all, I'm sure there was uh, the the uh, the business of going around and saying, "Hey, okay, who's the wise guy uh, that's uh, that's that's messing with us and, and and terrorizing our maid?" And when everyone was like, "I don't know what you're talking about," um, they're like, "Okay, well, it looks like there might be something sinister afoot. So, could you please give us uh, your thoughts?" And uh, it eventually became kind of the consensus in the building that this was something called in Spanish a duende, which means an elf or a goblin. Yeah, think of something roughly similar to sprites, goblins, fairies, and Western folklore. These are, in the world of folklore, often descended from nature spirits. They can have all kinds of traits, uh, and they can have all kinds of influences and motivations. They can be little mischievous scamps. They can be kind of benevolent and helpful for your house and your household chores. Or they can be real uh, real pains in the keister, you know, like uh, Kevin McAllister in, in Home Alone, that level of prankery. So by now, the whole apartment building has heard the voice of the stove goblin. And other people in the neighborhood are getting interested. They would crowd around the house, try to see if they could hear it. That's right. And it actually kind of already took on a, a moniker of the Zaragoza Duende. And uh, that was uh, really starting to pique people's curiosity. And, you know, everyone had heard about this mysterious voice and they wanted to pop by and see if they too could catch a little moment of this, uh, you know, supernatural uh, conversation. And the Palathon family um, was kind of perplexed. I mean, it was kind of on the one hand interesting to be the center of so much attention but it's like uh, it's sort of a lot and you know there were private people and all of a sudden you know they're becoming the kind of ground zero for this supernatural occurrence and it was a lot to to deal with the maid in particular continued to be sort of the focus of this voices uh you know communications right yeah, yeah, we see a commonality there with something often reported in uh, cases of alleged poltergeist activity, right? There's someone who's singled out, typically female, often young, and uh, they become like the friend of the poltergeist or the friend of the spirit or it's victim number one. And it seems like poor Pasquale was victim number one for the stove goblin. The family can't figure it out. They're like, look, spirit or uh, chimney work. Either way, this is driving us crazy. We need an answer. So they go to the police in November. This happened on September 27th. That's the first recorded incident. So by mid-November, they have reached out to local law enforcement. And we don't know if the police would, the police ordinarily would have ignored something like this, but it was getting so much attention from the public uh, that they were worried it was maybe going to trigger mass hysteria. So they got involved, which was a mistake on their part, because this made the goblin's voice even more popular. And the crowd soon numbered in the hundreds waiting outside the house to see what the police would find. So picture this, these guys go into this house these are actual working police officers. And they say, okay, we've got to investigate this stove, I guess. And we don't know exactly 
<laughs> exactly how they started, but we know there. Uh, we know that the stove goblin did talk to them, and we have. Uh, <laughs> We have the account of what the police were saying. Uh, one guy started in immediately, and again, he's talking to a stove, and he goes, who are you? Why are you doing this? What do you want, money? No. He said, well, are you looking for a job? Also no. <laughs> and now the police officer got really annoyed, and he said, well, and who are you? What do you want, man? Nothing. I am not a man. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my gosh. Chilling. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And at this point, even the police were completely flummoxed. And they are, uh, to them, it's clear that there's something going on they can't fully explain. And in the first article written about the Tharagosa Goblin, it was called A Polite Spanish Ghost. The London Times wrote this up, uh, and it was published on November 24th of 1934, and they uh, described it as such that an architect and some workmen were uh, sent into the building to 
root out the cause of this, you know, obnoxious voice. And they turned the place upside down and looked everywhere from the cellar up to the attic and checked out all the infrastructure and the, the piping and all of that. Like you said, it would travel throughout the building, but they couldn't find any evidence of who might be playing this prank. And uh, even one of the workers stood in front of the goblin stove in question and decided that it would be a good idea to measure the opening. And uh, he said that out loud. And to that, the voice replied, you need not trouble. The diameter is just six inches. And the goblin was right. Which is the weirdest part of it. So now people are baffled. The architect of the building, some construction workers, the police, and of course, this poor family, uh, still mostly believe this is a hoax. They're not ready to call it a case of the supernatural yet. But the cops say, look, we're going to have your family relocated to another residence, and we're going to thoroughly investigate this. And as soon as the neighbors heard about this, word spreads, and the community starts panicking. No one knows what this thing is. No one knows where this goblin could be. Eventually, police and volunteers uh, completely evacuate the building of every resident and guard it morning and night. They have a 30-yard perimeter around the home. So whatever mischief maker was doing this voice wouldn't be able to return. As a matter of fact, they even cut off the power to the building because they said, look, maybe it's a, a speaker or something. Doctors, psychologists, priests, they all come in. The priest like blesses the stove, sprinkles it with holy water. According to the Times, the voice wouldn't shut up. It just kept talking and talking and talking for days. Uh, they even organized sightseeing trips from a nearby town. And then one day, without explanation, the stove goblin fell silent. Yeah, and people almost, like, started missing it, you know? It's like, oh, we were, like, freaked out, but now we realize, like, this actually gave us something fun. Like the quister. <laughs> just, just so. Yeah, he's only obnoxious when he's around, and then when he goes silent, when he ghosts you, huh? Uh, it starts to hurt your feelings a little bit. Um, and it, it did absolutely fall silent. And after a couple of days of silence, the local magistrate, who was kind of, pleased that this was sort of at least seeing an end in sight to this, uh, you know, brewing panic. He just decided to write it off as an anomaly and had the police get out of there. But that's not the end of the story. And there is a very, very unusual explanation. <laughs> yes. All right. So two days of silence have passed, right? Cue the Simon and Garfunkel, and people are getting people are getting a little sad. They miss the goblin, and then also they're very irritated that it, there was never a full explanation. The voice surprises a group of neighbors and visitors who have returned to the apartment building. Two days later, it says, "Cowards! Cowards! Cowards! <laughs> Here I am! It is I, the Thanagotha Goblin!" And so it's back now. It's like. It's it's officially back. The police returned, but the family had had enough, and they said, 
forget this. We're leaving town. So they, they're they kind of out of the picture for a while. And the voice continued talking. And it taunted police. You could see reports, uh, not confirmed, that the goblin threatened to kill everyone inside the building. But the stuff we can confirm is more like, ha-ha, here, I'm back. <laughs> well, but also has an air of sinister uh, to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm coming. I'm coming, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't ever really show up in any kind of corporeal form. It always just remained a voice, you know, coming from the stovepipe. And uh, it, the interest at this point, after that little lull, was back in full force, too. There was even a Barcelona radio station that uh, was was asked, was kind of putting out the call for someone to get a recording of it so they could broadcast the voice. Um, and even like because of the reporting in the UK, members of Scotland Yard were talking about planning trips to come and try and solve it because it really was becoming almost like a Holmesian kind of mystery where it's like, there's got to be a twist here. You know, everyone's still leaning into a rational uh, explanation for this. Then uh, in November of, of that same year, November 30th to be precise, the governor of, of Zaragoza had just had it up to here and he just was done with this and he shut it down. He asked people to stop coming around, stop making such a fuss out of this. And he entreated the public rather than just continuing to feed this fervor to be helpful for Christ's sake, you know, come lend a hand and help us, you know, crowdsource this thing and figure out who this mischievous human being is that's causing all this uh, chaos. Yeah. And he goes into pretty much PR damage control mode. So he makes a unilateral decision, basically. He has decided that he's going to do a little bit of what we call a post-truth narrative spin. So he just declares that the thing is over, and he declares that they have figured out the perpetrator of the voice. He says the stove goblin's real identity. Now picture your, everybody listening along, ridiculous historians, picture your favorite Scooby-Doo scene uh, where someone reaches over and takes the mask off of the the quote-unquote ghost. It was Pasquale the maid! Yes, that's what he says. He says it's Pasquale. And his explanation, I I know we're a family show, censor me on this, Casey. His explanation is bullshit. It's like, lazy at that. Uh, He says she's been doing this voice, but it's not really her fault. She's been suffering from unconscious ventriloquism. Very creative uh, detective work here. I mean, yeah, sort of like a fugue state, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. that she was in some sign of so some sort of like psychologically induced reverie. And yeah, like uh, unbeknownst to her, throwing her own voice and the, you know, police officials that were presiding over the case also backed up this story, claimed to have seen it as well. Um, and they chalked it up to a form of a, quote, psychic phenomenon produced only in certain circumstances. Yeah. That's my response to that. I mean, that's yeah. two thumbs down for me. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you, Ben. I'm with you. It's So there are some arguments that make this uh, clearly not a watertight case. First, people have heard the strange talking in a male voice. Now, people can change their voices very easily, uh, but people have heard the strange talking in a a voice that is very unlike Pasquale's, 
And more importantly, they've heard it when she's nowhere near the premises. So what was she doing it through a radio that just was never found? For city officials, they were done with the story. They're like, we found a person. That's the answer. Just like in Brotherhood of the Wolf. You know what I mean? Oh, when yeah. the French royalty makes them uh, taxidermy a fake beast of Gévaudan. Totally. And let's not forget as well, we said this pretty early on in the show, that the goblin's voice was a male voice. So, you know, was, was Pasquala not only uh, uh, subconsciously ventriloquizing, but also like changing the gender? Of her voice? I mean, that, not to say yeah. that's not possible. You can certainly, like, you know, mm -hmm. a woman can lower the, the sound of her voice. And there's plenty of examples of, of women that can, uh, you know, do impressions of men. Um, not that surprising, but it's a little uh, suspect. Yeah. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the court of public opinion is ruled where the uh, legal court could not. And they said that uh, this maid was guilty of the whole hubbub. But there's not any evidence to that. 
uh, and there's no interest on anybody's part in arresting her or prosecuting her for doing what? Talking to herself through a stove? So she's allowed to skedaddle, and like the family she worked for, she leaves town. She wants to get away from the judging eyes of the community, and the story still doesn't reach a good, uh, like a, a totally satisfying conclusion. This is like our post credit stinger, right? So Pasquala leaves town. Fast forward December 4th. Some police officers uh, send in the son of the building's owner. Yeah, six-year-olds. Yeah, right. And a child shall lead them. His name is Arturo Grialba. Uh, and he goes up to the family stove and... He's frustrated by the communication, like all the stuff happening, because he's a six-year-old. You know, he's kind of overwhelmed by all this stuff. And then here's what he here's what he does. He says, this whole thing is crazy. From the mouths of babes. Uh, he says that out loud, though, right? Uh, to which, in a pretty neat and tidy, cool little resolution, the voice responds, not crazy, little one. Not crazy. Ooh. That is like a good like end of the, you know, the conjuring or like sinister, maybe a little less disgust, like, you know, gory and uh, and utterly existentially dreadful. But it still has that nice little twist, you know, and it gives me chills kind of thinking about it. But thus came the end of the communication of the, the Thadagosa Goblin. It was never heard from again. That's right. And uh you know, I've mentioned it before that one of the craziest things about our species is how quickly things become normal or go back to normal or how quickly we acclimate to things. So very soon after this, people are just going about their daily lives in the apartment building. Occasionally, future tenants would report ghostly sounds, but never something like the goblin. In 1977, the building was torn down. It was replaced with a new complex and it's called uh, Edificio Duende, or the Goblin Building, to commemorate the phenomenon. I think that's cool. But even now, in 2020, more than 80 years after this happened, we still have no idea who was responsible for this, right? No, we don't. And just to back up in time a little bit before the, the building was torn down and renamed, uh, Pascuala Alsacer, the, the maid, never really quite got over the uh, stigma attached to her potentially being this, you know, sleepwalker voice thrower. And uh, she did give an interview late in life, in the twilight of her years. And when she was asked where the voice was coming from, she only answered uh, the following. From within the wall. Ah, there's a double sew up. I love it. Mm -hmm. From within the wall. That could be the name of the of the of the movie. Um, I really like this story. It's it's got all. It, it's at least no one gets murdered or like possessed or it, nothing super nefarious happens. It's more or less like a gremlin kind of situation that's sort of just messing with people. But it is kind of shiver inducing, don't you think? Yeah, and I I think they should have asked better questions. Honestly, if you're if you're going to talk to a stove, go all in, you know what I mean? Own it. Ask it questions about the stove, which I I feel like there's some hostage negotiation, some therapy structuring you could have used to get answers, but I I, I love that I love that the a mystery remains. Just like we don't know what the beast of Jevaldon was, we don't know 
who perpetrated this and how they did it. Uh, we can say we haven't found proof of, you know, goblins, but we also haven't been able to explain through mundane means how it occurred. So I love this ghost story. No, we're a little late with it, but this is Halloween. And this is the ultimate inspiration behind one of the world's soon-to-be greatest shoegaze post-rock vape wave bands, Stove Goblin. Stove Goblin it is. And let's just wrap this episode up like we did with our voting episode with just a little bit of etymology behind the word goblin. Um, when you think of a goblin, I think, you know, a lot of folks go to maybe the Labyrinth movie with uh, David Bowie. Or the excellent Italian band. Of course. I love, love the band Goblin that does all the Dario Argento soundtracks. I think of the goblins from the uh, Rankin and Bass, The Hobbit animated film. And there's that whole down, down to goblin town, you know, that whole bit. And the goblins are pretty terrifying in that. And they like eat, you know hobbits and you know presumably children but that's not really where it comes from it comes from the idea of a mischievous uh not particularly attractive creature um originating in greece perhaps with the word kabalos uh which is essentially translated to mean like scoundrel and in this theory of the of the meaning of the word kabalos turned into the Latin and then the French, uh, where it became gobelinius or goblinus. Um, and that is the idea of, or used to describe a spirit that was haunting the city of Evreux back in the Middle Ages. And then goblin is further altered uh, in the English by the 1320s as hobgoblin. Um, and this I didn't know, Ben. You know, you ever heard of uh, Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream referred to as Robin Goodfellow, the idea of yep. a fawn? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, where that came from. Hob is related to uh, the word, the name Robert or Robin. Mm-hmm. And of course, goblins are very common in both ancient and modern fantasy. I do want to. Uh, I do want to point out that goblin for a time had been used as an insult, and I think it's a very good insult to use. Oh, I love it! You goblin. Yeah. Like, just call it, and then add a little so it's even more uh, diminutive, like that little goblin. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, tell us how that works out. Uh, also, please, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. As I say every so often on occasion, I would love to hear your favorite archaic insults of yesteryear. Uh, bonus points if you can fool us uh, with one that you've made up that we think is is real. And I promise I, I won't immediately go to a search engine. I also want to recommend uh, a great series of comic books slash graphic novels called Orcs and Goblins. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's well-written. Uh, I know that we have been recommending some different comic books and, and books before, but do check this one out if you get a chance. Love to hear what you think. But how can we tell you guys what we think. How can we give you our real or fictitious archaic insults of yesteryear? Why, the answer is very simple. All you have to do is whisper into your stove. If that doesn't work, uh, find us on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Whisper into your browser uh, in the form of, yeah, those things, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find Ridiculous History in all those places. You can also find Ben and I as human individual people. I am at HowNowNoelBrown, uh, pretty much exclusively on Instagram. And I am at Ben Bolin, H-S-W. I am uh, at Ben Bolin on Instagram. And I am at uh, Blood Tractor 
on Farmers Only. That one of those is not true. Love it. Well, happy Halloween, y'all. I mean, we decided that Halloween was just the spirit of Halloween, uh, you know, extending into November. We came up with that on the fly. It's not necessarily a real thing, but maybe it is now. I think it all started off as just a a, a momentary misspeak on on one of our parts. Um, And then we coin it, and then now it's a thing. And it's a whole new holiday tradition. Yes, yes. Also, hit us up with your best ideas for traditional Halloween celebrations. Uh, In the meantime, thanks, of course, to, uh, I guess, to my Barry Tennessee accent for giving us uh, an accidental holiday. Thanks to Christopher Asiotis. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed this amazing track. Yes, indeed. Thanks to Jonathan Strickland, the Quizster. Thanks to Gabe Luzier for all the Halloween research uh, and beyond. Um, we, we love you, man. We got to have him back on the show very soon. It's been too long. And send costume photos. Send your Halloween costume photos. We can't go trick-or-treating this year. Also because we're in our 30s. <laughs> yeah. By the time you've heard this, I will have done some COVID-safe trick-or-treating with my daughter and her uh, her crazy cosplay friends. They're more out, you know, just to, to show off their uh, DIY anime outfits. Um, but hopefully that went well. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.